right, guys. Welcome to the Guest Life Podcast, episode 17. Today we have the professional Canadian champ, Kevin Hickson, in the house. Um, he's from uh, Hamilton Steeltown Boxing Club. Um, we're going into the Guest Life Podcast, episode 17. I just want to take a minute to, to thank everybody that tunes in uh, when, we, when we air these. We're on YouTube. Um, you know, Instagram and it's just, it's so nice getting the feedback as well as the support from the community and, and getting, uh, leaders like Kevin on here. Um, we're going to hear his story today and a little bit about how he came up from the ranks. And, um, I've known Kevin for a number of years now through some, uh, some long nights and also, uh, you know, seeing his boxing career develop as well as, uh, hearing a little bit about his story today. Part of the wedding party as well. <laughs> I, I might have been up there. Um, but uh, yeah, so everybody, this is Kevin Hickson, and uh, we're happy to have him on board. Thanks, brother. Glad to be here, man. Um, so Kevin is a professional boxer at Steeltown Boxing Club. He's also the NCC Super Welterweight Champion and the NABA Canadian Super Welterweight Champion. Um, right now, obviously, with COVID, he's not fighting, but he's also a licensed sheet metal mechanic, for a big company out in uh, Mississauga? Uh, Bram, Vaughn, Vaughn, sorry. <laughs> out in Vaughn. I lost there for a minute. Yeah, he's a, he's a husband and he's a, a new father to Chuck. <laughs> little Chuck. So uh, thanks for coming, Kev. Thanks, man. Glad to be here. Um, so tell us a little bit about, you know, the boxing career. Um, you know, Kevin's had over 100 amateur fights. Um, Hamilton born. Um, Steel Town Boxing Club says a lot about it. There you <laughs> go, yeah. how, how Hamilton proud he is. Um, but yeah, he just, he, you know, he started from the bottom, now he's here. And uh, tell us a little about your story. Yeah, man, I, uh, I started boxing when I was 16 years old, right out of high school. Um, I just got together with my then or now wife, then girlfriend. Um, yeah, and the second I walked into that boxing club, I, uh, I fell in love. I knew I wanted to be a professional boxer. I didn't think about going to the Olympics. I, uh, yeah, my main goal is to be a professional. Just the smell of uh, the smell of those gloves and getting ready to getting ready to throw down. It was um, it was inspiring for me. Yeah, and I remember going to the gym. I was uh, chubby as a kid, and I remember you know, <laughs> Kev says, "Oh, why don't you come by the gym?" And I think I lasted about a week <laughs> doing laps around the gym and. Trying to figure out how to wrap my hands, and then uh, yeah, I quit pretty pretty quickly. So it, it definitely it gets tiring. It's, it's boxing's one of those sports where it's so re repetitious that uh, you either fall in love or you get really bored really quick. And at sixteen, is that a young age to get involved in boxing? Is it a, is it a little bit old, or is that kind of right in the middle? It's kind of old. Like uh, a lot of guys get into it when they're really young, and uh, I don't know. I found it a little bit later in my life, and I don't know. I think I did pretty well for where I'm at now. So. I got no regrets for that way. And then when are you allowed to start amateur boxing as a... You can start training really at any age. Like they have little kids class at, at my gym and there's like, there's six years old there, eight year olds, but they can't fight until they're, I think it's 11 years old. Okay. Yeah. And is that changing or is that developing as like, as you go through? What do you mean? In what in what sense? Like when you're when you're an amateur boxer, like I remember just going and they they asked me to spar and I got uh, punched in the face and my uh, contact fell out and and I was like, yeah, this this is just not for me. Yeah, this this is a tough one. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, this is not uh, this isn't what they they say in the the movies. Yeah. So um, yeah, like just how do you like how does an amateur get started if that's something they wanted to do? Well, they come to the gym. They they get put through the paces at first. Like you learn how to wrap your hands. You learn how to throw a punch correctly, and then. They'll kind of th not throw you in, but with little kids, they take a little more precaution. You get in 
start sparring a little bit and uh you learn if you like it or not. The little kids, I tell you, they they fucking like it though. They <laughs> go at it, man. Even before they can fight, they they start swinging in the gym and then if they stick around, they end up getting into real fights and they they do well, man, when they start that young. Fearless. Fearless. They don't care. It's like I mean, when I fight, I throw a lot of punches, but you watch a little kid fight, they don't stop, man. It's like they got <laughs> endless wind capacity in their lungs, man. Yeah. It's unbelievable. Like, it's like getting back on the ice with the young guys and they, you know, the AAA kids at the uh, Shanny are just running circles around us. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so how, um, so take us through, what was your, you know, your amateur career? hundred, over a hundred fights. Yeah. I, mean, I used to, about I used to come, fights, uh, yeah. I used to come watch it. I remember it was a big deal when you were pro downtown, but we'll talk about that later. Yeah. Um, but yeah, your amateur fighting, like what is, what is a day in the life of an amateur boxer? Well, the, see the difference between an amateur and pro pro. Most of the time, you know, when you're going to fight, you get maybe a few months to, to prepare unless you get called late notice, but amateur fights come up like that. Like, We'd have, hey, you want to you want to fight? It's Friday. You want to fight on Saturday? I'm like, yeah, fuck, I'm in the gym every day. Why not? So for me, it was going to work every day, going to the gym every night, doing my road work in the morning or at night, either way, and then just taking a fight whenever a fight came. So some days we'd be piling into a, into a van, heading down the QEW every other weekend, you know, and uh, never got tiring. It just, you want to fight? Yeah, sure, why not? <laughs> It's great. He's got a face only a mother could love, eh? Exactly. <laughs> Still a little pretty, you know. Yeah. Didn't take too many beatings. Yeah, no, that's a good thing. So, um, I mean, I you know I know so much about Kev, so I'm trying to pick out how I can get the uh, the audience to get a little <laughs> bit more in depth. Tell us, uh, tell us a little bit about your favorite road trip that you did with the with the Van Boys back in the day. Uh well, a lot of the time we went to we went to Ottawa quite a bit. We had a coach out there that uh, he put on shows a lot. And he brought us to help fill his card and there was at Steeltown I grew up with uh about three or four kids that I'm still great friends with now and we grew up in the amateurs and we're all professional now so we were always like you said jumping in the van and we go down there I loved going to Ottawa just because we had such a good relationship with the coaches. his name was Eric Belanger he put on a lot of club shows and we went down there and some nights we'd, we'd stay the night others other times we'd, we'd be driving out to Ottawa you're driving to weigh in. You drive five, six hours to get there. You weigh in. You fight. And we would come right home. Like, we wouldn't even stay in a hotel. We'd just go fight and come home. So you get your Sunday to, to relax. So you didn't have to drive home Sunday and then go to work on Monday. And all your prize money that you won at those big, uh, big-time big amateur events. Oh, yeah. Tons of money. It was it was all glory <laughs> back then, man. No money at all. Get to get a medal. I got a box of medals somewhere. <laughs> was there uh, – you think you could sell those now? Oh, man. To the right bidder? <laughs> priceless buddy um tell us a little bit about like you know was there a gritty thing being from hamilton being a you know steel town and and being a boxer yeah i always i always took pride in being from hamilton and being a fighter from hamilton uh i always i made up this little saying with with my older brother because he used to help with some of my training used to do my strength and conditioning i made up the saying i called it nitty-gritty steel city and we always said that to each other when we would because he trained me more when i was a professional I always said that before fights, nitty-gritty nitty Steel City, ready to just go in there and fight. It always I had a sense of pride being from Hamilton because I was a tough blue-collar guy, just like most people from Hamilton. And I took that into the ring with me, and I still do now. So it's I got pride that way. Yeah, because you always had that pro, like, boxer mentality because, you know, again, for the, for the audience here that's listening, 
I like again. I know the system, so it's there's a there's a pro style of fighting and an amateur style of fighting because amateur is more points, correct? Points, yeah. Yeah, and and pro, you're just trying to knock the guy's head off. Yeah, that's kind of are, are you with the body shot? Yeah, I try to knock him with a body shot. Just I always had an 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 aggressive style as you would. I wasn't really a point fighter. I just I tried to hit you as many times as I could in three minutes of the round, and then if I won at the end, I won. If I lost, I lost. You know, but I always gave it hundred percent. Win or lose. And how do you think uh, how how do you think your amateur career trained you to become a pro boxer? See, a lot of a lot of guys. It's it's a tough way to put it because some pro boxers have hundreds and hundreds of amateur fights, but they're not good pro boxers. Some people have twenty pro fights. I know a few very good fighters from Canada who haven't had many amateur, didn't have even as much amateur experience as me, and they're great pros. It just depends your mentality, I think, and your style. That's that's kind of the way I look at it. And what do you think makes a good fighter? Their head, man. If you got a, if you got the mentality to not give up and not quit, and uh, you're just mentally tough, I think that's gonna take a long way. Like we went to a lot of tournaments in uh, Kansas City. It was called the Kansas City Ringside World Champions Championship. It was run by. Ringside, which is a rings, it's a an equipment company. Yep. They sell gloves and they sell everything, but they had the biggest amateur boxing tournament ever. Like you'd go there, it was the most intimidating thing you ever seen. I went there. I think I was seventeen the first time I went. It's intimidating, man. Six rings, thousands of fighters. You line up to do your weigh in. Takes hours because so many fighters and just fights, fights, fights for four days straight. And you'd see thousands and thousands of these. American fighters, Canadian fighters, people from all over the world. And it's, I think that taught me to be mentally tough because you go through situations like that and it, uh, it's either sink or swim, basically. And you're fighting back-to-back, right? You fight, you fight one day, and if you win, you go on to the next day. If you lose, you're out of the tournament. I went down there and I lost my first fight the one year. I was like, oh, okay. I took my, took my week vacation from work to come and lose. That was great. Yeah. But... Uh, no, it was a great experience. Then the next show I went, I did better. I won, I think, I won my first two fights, and then I lost in the semifinals. So, wow. yeah, it's, it gets better and better. And what weight class do you always fight at? Right now, it's called light middleweight. In amateurs, it, it was pretty close weight. It was, I fight at 154 pounds right now. Okay. In the amateurs, it was 152. I always fought, I fought at 152 in the amateurs, but I was always a little bit lighter because... With being diabetic, it was a little tough for me to cut weight. I didn't really understand how to lose weight that quickly and not impact your performance. Yeah. So I fought a little bit heavier, but I've basically been at that weight my whole life, 152 to 154, and I fight at 154 now, and I make it pretty comfortably. A little bit of a cut, but nothing drastic. Yeah, and I I always notice that uh, being a buddy of yours, um, you know, watching you kind of like get so – you know, you were always in such great shape, and then you just make small adjustments when you when you became a boxer. Like yeah. You had a fight. Yeah, like I I always took pride to always stay in decent shape, even if I wasn't fighting. I got that from my amateur experience. Like I always was in the gym, even if I wasn't fighting, because like I said, fight could come up at any any day. Hey, you want to fight tomorrow? And obviously, I was in the gym, so I'd say yes. It's a little different now because the pros and with COVID going on, I don't know when I'm going to fight again. But that always instilled me to always stay in shape. So. I was always close to my weight. Last week or so, I was a little fine tuning. You're not you're not putting dressing on your salad no more. You're just taking that out and 
you know, eating a can of tuna for lunch, maybe a little bit of oatmeal, yeah. skipping dinner, which is a little <laughs> tough for a diabetic, but uh, I got a system and it works. Yeah, so let's talk a little bit about that for, for anybody that doesn't know uh, Kevin's type 1 diabetic. Um, and uh, you would not know that unless <laughs> unless you went to a bar with him and you know people would ask him why he's shooting up in the middle of the bar. But um, yeah, he's, he's uh, it blows me away being his friend and and uh, you know you're, you're a big mentor to me in in terms of like you know what you can put your body through in terms of work ethic and a daily routine. But you know, tell us a little bit about some of the challenges and also some of the things that you know might have been an asset because you were so aware of how your body was handling it. Yeah, it's uh. It's always been tough. Like I got diabetes, type one diabetes at a later age of my life. I was 16, right before I started boxing. It oh, basically wow. got me into boxing. No way. Which is weird because my older brother's a type one diabetic. I've got two brothers. My one brother, he's a type one diabetic, but he got it. I think he was f- six, six years old. So I got it very late in life, which was kind of weird. It made me think maybe something I was doing in my life was made my body break down or something. But that's I don't think that's the the problem. But yeah, it kind of steered me to go at, get into boxing because, yeah. like I said, I thought I wasn't living a healthy life or whatever. And then boxing kind of took control of that. It made me eat better. It made me exercise regularly. And I've kept that kind of that notion in my head till today. And, like, on a daily routine, like, so you said you run in the morning. Either in the morning or at night. Depends how tired I am from work. You know, <laughs> some days getting up at 5 and running is not the most – desirable thing to do so i do it before bed but yeah, yeah bef- before a fight i usually running is one of my main things a lot of guys if if they don't work they're putting in two three a day trainings but i can't really do that so i make running one of my biggest assets so i get my good run in do hill sprints i do wind sprints and then i get my boxing training either bag work or hand pads sparring and that's pretty much it running and bag work or running and uh gym work and that's how many hours a day uh, about the gym, I'm at probably two, two and a half hours at the gym. And then the runs usually anywhere, depending how I'm feeling from a half hour to an hour. Yeah. And then just a nice stretch out, do a little shadow boxing. And then, and you got to work in between that. And I got to work in between. <laughs> but you know what? And, and your wife still loves you, Jen. She, she still loves me. Yeah. Yeah. She's, uh, she's still sticking by me. So that's, that's awesome. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about how you transition from kind of, you know, pro boxing to making it, you know, not a transfer because you were still doing your HVAC career and kind of, you know, managing all your time um, into your day-to-day life. Yeah, for me, it wasn't, like you said, it, it wasn't a huge transition because before I got into boxing, like, I always had a part-time job in high school. And, like, the second I got out of high school, I had a full-time job. So I always had that work ethic to put the work in, which I think transitioned into the gym because – if you don't put the work in you don't see the result so i've always kind of looked at it that way and i mean i can complain and say oh man like i don't get to train as much i got a full-time job but hey man you you uh you deal with the the hand you're dealt you know what i mean and uh that's pretty much it and you're still uh holding two belts currently <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Still, still working, man. Still the classic working man. Yeah, it, man. and I, and I, you know, that's why I got you on the show. I think it's just such a great story in terms of, you know, someone that you know, it's not like you're just born into some, you know, wild ability. It's just just hard work. And it's grind. hard work, man. I, it's funny you say that because I always said to myself that, my dad always says that I'm too hard on myself, but I, I always didn't think that I was 
the most talented person. I always thought I lacked certain things. I didn't have the super fast twitch muscle or the massive knockout power, but I always worked hard. And I said, if I'm not going to beat you, I'm going to give you one hell of a night. So that's basically, that's basically it, man. Yeah. I've seen it. Yeah. It's, (laughs) if you beat me, it's, it's uh, whatever you beat me, but you're not, you're going to be sorry. (laughs) That's pretty much it. You know, like it was some bleeding kidneys. Yeah, bleeding kidneys. Yeah. Um, and then tell us a bit, a little bit about like, you know, being from Hamilton and obviously it was a huge deal when you got, uh, you got to fight in Hamilton because they weren't allowing it for a while. Yeah. Remember that was yeah. a big deal. So tell us a little bit about like, you know, the pride of Hamilton and how that's affected your career. Well, it's kind of cool. I, I always, like I said, I, I pride myself on being from Hamilton. I love being from Hamilton. Like the promoters would put on a show. It'd be a great show in Hamilton. And, uh, They'd always have an after party after, but I'd always have my own after party with the fans that came to support me, you know? Like, I, hey, you coming to the after party? Sorry, buddy. I got I got the local bar that we're going to, to to show all the people that came and bought tickets off me to give them the love back because it was great. I'd walk into the bar and everyone started cheering, and it's, it's a great feeling. You know, I've, I've always – I wanted to be that guy that just related to the people because it's – like I said, it's a blue-collar work ethic, you know what I mean? And a lot of people, I think – Get down with that because that's who they are. And that's what Hamilton is. So it's nice. Yeah. Well, I've been at that bar. Yeah, a couple <laughs> times. Yeah, it's a, it's a good time. You know what I mean? Like, I think, uh, you know, people that think it comes easy, whether it's, uh, you know, boxing championship or a career or, or family life, um, you know, it's a lot of hard work and it's just dedication. It's consistency. Yeah. And I think, you know, whatever, you know, way that you're, you're maneuvering your career, that's what you got to put in if you want to succeed. Yeah, you put the hard work in. You have the bad days. Like, I wake up some days dead tired. I got my ass kicked in sparring the night before. Hard day at work, whatever. You wake up some days and you're like, fuck, man. Like, this is tough. Like, why do I want to do this? Yeah. But it's it's something that drives you to go, you know? And it's, you know, it's that's you got to instill that in yourself to keep going. So what are your biggest, like, you know, what are you striving for? What are some of your biggest, like, kind of rewarding moments within your career? Uh, it was nice to win the Canadian titles. I've I've fought for three or four Canadian titles now. I lost one of them and uh, or one of the fights, but um, yeah, like I don't have any major huge goals. I just I want to fight. You know what I mean? I want to try and prove that I belong with some of the bigger guys. Like like I said, if if I lose, it's still gonna be a tough night for you. And I just want to prove that I belong there. If I don't win a world title. I don't, like, I'd like to make a million dollars. Don't get me wrong. Make a fight where I make a million dollars. But uh, if it doesn't happen, it doesn't happen. You know, I just, I want to, I like fighting. That's basically it. Yeah. Yeah. And how old are you now? 31. So where do you see your boxing career in the next couple of years? And uh, think you're going to get in the ring with Chuck? Yeah, I get get the gloves on Chuck. Show him how to how to throw a few punches, you know. But that that's the thing. Like, I don't consider myself old, but I'm getting older. I got a family now. It's... It's secondary now. I, yeah. You know, they come first. My, my kid and my wife, they come first. Like, if I can't do what I love to do, but I can support them, I'm a, I'm a winner, man. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think that is doing what you love to do. Then. That's it, man. Yeah. That's it, yeah. That's awesome. So tell me a little bit about kind of, um, you know, what advice would you give to, you know, the next generation that wants to kind of get into what you're doing or get into the ring? You know, where do they get started? You know, how would they navigate the career? Um, and kind of like, you know, what's the ideal, 
mentality of a boxer or a professional athlete. Cause really, I mean, it's, it's like, it's a lifestyle. It's not just a hobby. hundred percent. It's, it's not a hobby at all. It's, it's a lifestyle. You eat clean, you live clean, you work your ass off in the gym. For me, you work your ass off at work as well. Um, yeah, it, I, my only advice for the kids is just to, if you, if you want to get into it, know that you're going to work hard, work your ass off. And that's going to make, that's going to make the sacrifice worth it. And that's going to make the results happen. Perfect. Yeah. Just hard work. Just hard work, man. Yeah. And then like, is there a specialty to get punched or like, do you have to? You just be tough, man. <laughs> Don't be a bitch. Yeah. You got to like that. <laughs> you got to like it. Yeah, it's a big part of it. Yeah. Um, and then what do you, what do you, like in terms of coaching, like what did you, um, I guess what, kind of what do you look for in a coach? Because I think uh, when we talk about mentorship, whether it's in business or in sport, I think the coach is a big part and a big asset to that. And I find, uh, you know, I'm uh, just part, I just got in uh, involved with a group called Tech. Um, so it's a peer coaching mentorship with also like a head chair who does, um, who, who kind of leads the team. But I'm finding it, you know, at this stage of my life and my career that this coach that I haven't had a coach in years, yeah. right? Especially when you feel alone sometimes. I'm sure you feel like that in the ring. What do you think, you know, a coach does for your mindset and your career and, and your, you know, your path to the next level? See, I think the biggest thing with, with a coach is because they, they say to not like, you have your strengths and your weaknesses, right? And a lot of coaches, they don't, if they see your strengths, they just kind of like, they leave that alone because you're already strong at it. But I don't think that's right. You still need to nurture those strengths. Obviously, the main goal is to work on the weaknesses, but you still have to nurture those strengths and let the person know that, fuck, you're good at what you're doing. Like, that, like you're good at so-and-so. You're good at this, but let's work on this. But keep reminding people how good they are at one thing because that's going to give you... That's going to give you confidence. Like if you think you're good at something, like say I go in the ring, I'm good at a left hook to the liver or a left hook to the head. But like, I'm never, it's never instilled in me. Like, you know, that that's working. Keep working on that. It's nice to hear those things that you are doing something good. So it's just like positive reinforcement, I guess. Yeah. I, I, yeah that's a, that's a great, great point. I mean, I, um, I know sometimes I find um, people that are successful or people that are, you know, leaders and whatever they're doing, it's hard to get the compliments sometimes. Yeah. Um, but it is reassuring when it's like, oh, you know what? I am, you know, it's not, it's not without hard work. It's exactly. Like, you know, it's not like, hey, you're doing well. It's like, okay, I don't need to be told. I don't need a yes person behind me and a cheerleader, yeah. right? Well, cheerleaders are nice, but not in that <laughs> context, right? Not, not from your coach, right? You want, yeah. you want some tough love, but also I think it's important to, um, to understand that, you know, the direction that you're going is based on what you're good at. And that's how you got there usually, yeah. but there's always room to improve. Well, that's the thing because, you know, no, like it doesn't help to be caught it along and being told you're the best at everything, but it's nice to get a pat on the back every once in a while. You know what I mean? Like everybody likes, Hey, you're doing a good job, man. That makes your day. Yeah. You're sparring or Sorry, you're at work. You do a good. You do something good at work. It's nice to say, man. That's that's a good fucking job. That's gonna that's gonna make your day, and it's gonna mentally make you stronger. If you just hear what you did wrong all the time, you're not gonna grow. You're just gonna, maybe you will, maybe, but it's gonna make you pretty tough and bitter towards people. Yeah. Well, and I think that's like um, it. It it's also like when you're wanting to consistently get better to the next level, right? Like you wanna you wanna you wanna move through the paces. You want to excel, like. It depends. I find that's what I was always reluctant with coaches. That's why it took me so long to get one at, at, for business side because 
I thought, wow, I can't, I, I don't want to be limited by what they think of me. Yeah. Right. I want to push that envelope. But I think, you know, for people that are getting into it, a coach can be a great driving factor, but you have to know where they come from. And one of the things is like, you know, if you look at some of the NBA coaches that are five foot seven uh, or, you know, even six foot that couldn't play in the NBA, like those aren't the people like you don't have to be the best, best boxer to be the best boxing coach. hundred percent. Right. Um, I know many very, very great fighters. They're terrible coaches. Yeah. It doesn't always transition. Yeah. You know? I find it's, it's very similar with, with life and business. Right. 100%. Like. Um, you know, I was, I was just trying to always find this mentor that would be this perfect business model for me and so successful and all this thing. And then I got to thinking like, well, that person probably doesn't have time to be coaching me. Yeah. Right? It's the people that are working on their listening skills and their ability to train and their ability to, to push. Right. And also like, you know, no one to, you know, jab a wound and no one to kind of pick somebody up or, you know, give them a 100%. hug. I think it's, it's really tough important. love works, but it doesn't always work. It doesn't work when the guy's down or that's, that's why the, like, I know a lot of coaches in boxing, it might be a little different to your situation, but a lot of coaches in boxing, they say like, well, I'm not friends with my fighters. And it, to an extent I agree, but to an extent I don't because you need to know your fighter or you need to know your business partner. Like you can't just expect to spout things at people and shout at them. And they're just going to know what you're talking about. You got to kind of know that person on a level when to help hold back on, on the tough love and when to kind of be a nicer person. You have to get to know someone a little bit. So you do in a sense need to be friends with your, with your person that you're working with. For sure. Yeah. I think that's great, man. Yeah. So let's uh, let's kind of get a little bit into this this new portion of your life. So you're you're a new father, right? Um, I was at your wedding, so I know you're married now. So you're a, you're a fresh husband. So tell me a little bit about how you're transitioning to you know the next chapter of your life. And I know you know I've seen you at home with the with the little guy, so I, I know kind of how you're excelling at that. But you know, take us through a day in the life of uh, of Big Daddy Big Daddy Kev. Big Daddy Kev is. Uh... He's in love, man. He loves being a dad. Yeah. The second I my kid was born, I, I was like, this is... Like, I love boxing. Don't get me wrong. I love boxing, and I want to hopefully get some more fights. But it's like, the second that kid was born, my life changed. And my life completely changed. I just... I love being at home. That's why it's so tough to go to the gym right now if nothing's going on. No fights. Like, it's a transition from always being in shape to always wanting to be at home. You know what I mean? Because yeah. it's... I don't want to miss those little things. I love seeing that my kid grow. I just, I love being around him. That's amazing. Yeah, it's it's the best feeling. Yeah. And then, so, what do you think? You're going to get him involved? You're going to put him on the gloves? You're going to, you know, coddle him a little bit? You're going to hold him back? Yeah. You're going to be one of those dads? Well, I already bought him a pair of gloves, so, <laughs> you know what I mean? But, uh... You're not you know, talking about the ones that everyone hangs from the mirror, No, you? no, no. He's got <laughs> some rigid gloves. He's, uh, he puts them on himself. But, <laughs> no, I, I don't care if my kid fights. I... I want him to learn. That's the one thing I want him to learn to defend himself. Yeah. So I'm going to teach him how to box. And no one's going to pick on my kid. So <laughs> he's got to know how to defend himself. If he wants to pursue it and actually compete, he can. But it's a tough road, man. It's uh, Is your dad going to get him into on the ice or what was he thinking? Golf, man. Got to get him into the golf. Take yeah. the kid golfing. Yeah, that's what he wants. Yeah, man. Or baseball. Yeah. So I can just bring the cooler, <laughs> set it down. Yeah, there Watch we go. Watch the kid play some baseball, man. That's what I want. Awesome. But like I said, I would... I want him to defend himself, but and if he wants to get into it, he can. But there's no pressure for me at all. It's a tough sport, and it's a you gotta have a tough heart, man. And it's yeah, I don't want my kid to break his heart that way. <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah, that was good, good advice. Um, 
so yeah, guys. So just uh, you know, I want to thank Kevin for being on the show. It's been uh, awesome, kind of reminiscing. I you know I know his story so well, but you always learn something new every time you chat. Um, so yeah, guys, just thinking. You know, if you're ever thinking, you know, Kev was 16 when he made the decision to get into boxing. You know, not a long time after, he's you know Canadian champ with two different belts. Um, so we always ask the question on the show, why not me? Why not now? Um, and you know, Kev's story is just one of those ones of just hard work, consistency and grit and, um, grit. I like that. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, you know, I've seen it firsthand. I've seen him, you know, come home with swollen eye and I've seen him, you know, not being able to drink for months on end because he's trying to get in shape. So the, uh, the hard work pays off. doesn't matter what you're doing it in. Um, but thank you guys for listening and, and thanks so much, Kev, for being on the show. Thank you, man. I appreciate the love. I really do. And, um, yeah, all his, uh, all his stuff will be online is, uh, at Steeltown Boston Club is where he, he trains at and, uh, you'll see his social on, on the post. So thanks again, Kev, for coming. And, uh, remember everybody that tuned in, thank you for watching the guest life podcast and, uh, why not me? Why not now? That's a big question of the day. Thanks a lot, brother. Glad to be here, man. Okay.